Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast. I'm your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes, the administrator over at the Internet Sake Discord, as well as the Reddit Archlash Sake community, and the guy on the show who is not a sake samurai. And I am your host, Timothy Sullivan. I am the sake samurai. I'm also a sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand. Fantastic. Tim, you know what's fun? Well, my favorite time of the year is my birthday. What about you? Uh, Birthdays are great. Christmas is also good, but we're going to go with birthdays today because, uh, in a way, our guest today is celebrating a birthday of sorts. Oh, that's great. Uh, Who is it? It is Shinobu Kato of Kato Sake Works, whose brewery here in Brooklyn, New York, is celebrating their one-year anniversary. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me Shinobu finally turned 21 and can drink legally now. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's ever stopped him, but... <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, let's welcome one of our local New York City sake brewers to the show, Welcome, Shinobu Kato. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. Yeah. So so can you tell us briefly how you got started with sake? Tell us a little bit, for our listeners who don't know you, what's a little bit of your journey from uh, coming from Japan to opening a sake brewery in Bushwick, Brooklyn? How did you get started? Sure. So, you know, my sake career as a you know, devoted drinker started way before 21, you know, in, in Japan, legal age is lower than 21, but anyway, so I, I enjoyed drinking sake, you know, bad one, good one, cheap one, expensive one. And, uh, I, I moved to the U S uh, 2004, uh, for, you know, different reasons. I, I went to the business school and then also got a job in Tennessee. So I was there for like 10 years. I always liked sake, but once I moved to the U.S., it's hard for me to get a good sake that I used to drink back in Tokyo. And to me, sake was more like, a, you know, it's a good drink. I enjoy that. But also at the same time, it's very approachable, accessible. Oh, so like your beer or wine here. And it's been hard for me to find a good sake equivalent to your like a local craft beer or like a local winery wine. So always I had a problem. Every time like I have a party, I, I cooked something like a very casual Japanese stuff and uh, threw a party, but I didn't have anything to pair with. So I ended up serving craft breweries IPA or local wineries, red wine or something like that. And then that's been my shame. So that's how I started making my own like i started making my own miso making you know some other stuff and then sake was one of the things that okay if i don't have maybe i can try and then fast batch i threw a big party for the pressing we call it like a pressing party and then it was good it's not something that i probably would sell to you (laughs) but at least it was Good. You know, anything handmade is good, right? That that kind of good. And then I enjoyed doing that. I continued making batch after batch. And the people started asking me, like, hey, Shinobu, 
I didn't like sake before, but this is the first time I truly enjoy drinking sake. Now I go to the Japanese restaurant, I can order some uh, stuff and enjoy it. By the way, I'm having a, a dinner party with my parents. Can I buy a bottle? Yeah. That kind of conversation happened several times. And then that's when I started to realize that, hey, I've been complaining about the situation as a problem, but I might have a solution. So this might be a kind of thing that can help the situation. Oh, and then that's that's how I started into sake. Hmm. Um, that's great. So you've had your brewery open now for a year over in, in Bushwick. And have you found that your brewery has been increasing the local interest in sake? Is there anything that you guys do over there that kind of helps people, helps the locals discover it and have those kind of aha moments. So the ones where everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, Sake can do this? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping. I think like the typical customers that we have in Bushwick, they probably never been to Sakagura. Probably they've been to Decibel once. They like Sake because it's cool, but they don't know much about Sake. That, that's a kind of uh, crowd that we are attracting at the Duali. And it's the, like a typical conversation is like, hey, I know you are open and, and I'm very curious what you have, but I don't know much about sake. And I, I'm like, okay, you don't need to know much about sake. I'll give you some samples. So try it. And if you like it, that's great. If you don't, walk away. <laughs> and that's how we kind of uh, start the conversation. Oh, so hopefully I'm making that kind of aha moment more in Bushwick. Maybe you need to randomly interview on the people on the street in Bushwick. <laughs> hey, what do you think about sake? Yeah. Uh, when I have visited the brewery, I've been there when people have come by and and I've had the samples and they always have that look on their face. Like, oh, like they're always very happy and they always, that was mm-hmm. always really nice to see. And that's, I think one of the things that we like to say is that the biggest challenge is getting people to try sake. And having people walk by and see the brewery mm-hmm. and be like, oh, what's this all about? Oh, sake. Hmm, I don't know about that. And then having you pour them a couple of samples, like, all right, now they have been able to try it. And now they can make a decision. They, they can see if it's something that they want to pursue more, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that running a sake brewery that's open to the public like you do, you have people walking in off the street. I really view you as someone who's on the front lines of introducing sake to Americans. And you never know who's going to walk through that door of your brewery. In your opinion, based on the customers who come in and talk to you, what do you think is the biggest misconception or biggest problem with American consumers right now about their attitude about sake? What is the biggest stumbling block for people that you've come across when they come in and talk to you about sake? I don't... I think it's just an opportunity. Mm-hmm. They are curious. They are very much want to try if there's a moment, but that moment never happened to their lives. That's my guess. So every time I talk to the people on the street, they want to try. And once they try, they like it. So there's no misconception. There's no, you know, any barriers, but just that, they didn't have a chance to walk in front of sake blue eyes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you pass by beer blue alley, wine alley, there's 
hundreds of those occasions. And then chances are that, hey, let's try something. It's local, right? But that is not happening for sake. Mm -hmm. So I do not think they have any kind of predetermined misconception or miss whatever, but just that they didn't have a chance to try something mm -hmm. good. So I've had the experience sometimes where I'm at an event and I'm pouring sake at a table and there might be a couple and maybe one person of the couple comes up and says, oh, I love sake. And then the spouse or partner is mm. like folding their arms and shaking their head. Have you had that experience where one person wants to come in your brewery and someone's not so into it? And have you won anybody over to sake? I think I had a couple of occasions like that. Yeah. <laughs> Also, more often, it's more like a dog try to come into the Blue Alley. It is Bushwick. And the, <laughs> the dog owners are like kind of, no, 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 don't go in there. And we, we are kind of overly nice to the dogs so that we can attract humans too. <laughs> and then they were like, okay, we don't know sure about sake. But I, I was like, okay, well, why don't we, since your dog is here, why don't you try <laughs> And then eventually they ended up buying like two bottles. <laughs> that happened a couple of times. That sounds like a very Brooklyn kind of situation. <laughs> a lot of breweries have um, brewery cats. You have all of the neighborhood dogs. <laughs> yeah. In front of us is a park. And then that's not a dog park, but people use that mm -hmm. at the dog park. Somebody told me that the dog walking group, like a dog owners group, they have a group chat. And then they know that we have a hot sack during the winter time. <laughs> so they chatted each other like, hey, you know, you go to Kato Sake and then grab a couple of hot sake for them. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> I like that. Like, you're very, like, neighborhood focused in that way. Totally. Whereas, like, you know, the, literally the neighborhood dog, dog walking group is gossiping about the sake they can get at your place. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you think that American sake is developing kind of its own different style from what's going on over in Japan? Yeah. The things that's not exposed to the U.S. yet, and then there's a lot of, you know, younger generation of the sake blue alleys in Japan, they are very innovative and creative, mm -hmm. right? I only see them through the, you know, internet and in other medias, but what they are trying to do and what we are trying to do in the United States uh, or, you know, outside of Japan, it's not that far hmm. different. Everybody is trying to try to stick to the tradition and then push more towards how it's been done. While at the same time, there's much more around the sake making. And then there's like, you know, bunch of opportunities of the inspiration from beer world, wine world, other fermented food, everything. So that's another area that influence. And then I think the same kind of mixture of the creativity is happening both in Japan and the uh, U.S. Cool. So you think like all brewers have the same goal, like everyone just wants to make good sake and get that out to people. So you mm -hmm. think that's the same in Japan and the U.S.? I, I personally think that if we make more sake here is better. Mm -hmm. So brewing your sake is a good thing. Also, helping other potential future sake brewers mm -hmm. that helps to increase the market as more like a bottom-up, mm -hmm. right? So that instead of having just one neighborhood sake brewery in Bushwick, 
but we might have a neva for the second blue, blue valley in long island city you know maybe not in manhattan that's too expensive but you know something like that tim ha- tim has hopes up for a moment there <laughs> <laughs> i think that i think that helps to just increase the number of the opportunities for just regular consumers to access to sake. So you you think that we need to have more breweries opening up to kind of reach a critical mass, to to Mm -hmm. have more opportunities Mm -hmm. for people to stumble on a brewery while they're walking their dog (laughs) or, you know, while they're uh, driving downtown in many cities. So you think when we have maybe some more breweries like yours opening up across the country, there'll be more opportunity for getting that growth going. Yeah, I think think that makes sense. We neglected to to mention, although I guess one could put two and two together, that you're celebrating the first anniversary of the brewery, and it's almost the first anniversary of, or we just passed the first anniversary of when uh, things really went into lockdown here in New York. So you've really been doing this whole thing without really being able to get out there. Uh, just just being supported mm-hmm. mostly by the people that are local to your area. And I think that's like really cool <laughs> that the neighborhood is like, you know, literally is a neighborhood supporting you. It's a good story to hear in COVID times where do you want to have something to kind of rally around? Yeah, that's really true. And then it was like people found us, people saw us opening and the people that it's not in the best time <laughs> to start the business. So everybody was so supportive. They come and then, okay, whatever you do, I, let me pay. I, I want to support your business. That kind oh. of interaction. And then without having that supportive local neighborhood, we were not here. So for those people that might not be in New York or might not have visited you yet, can you tell us a little bit about what your brewery looks like? Uh, how big it is, and also how do we reach you if we want to come and visit you in person? Can you give us a little bit of impression of the lay of the land of your brewery? Sure. Oh, uh, so we are located in the neighborhood called Bushwick, and uh, I, I'm originally from Tokyo, a part of Tokyo called Koenji, and then I kind of see Bushwick similar to Koenji. So it's nothing fancy, not like Manhattan or Shinjuku, but probably like 15 minutes from the city center, Mm -hmm. very residential in a way that there's more student artists or like older families, they live together with a lot of local small businesses, no major big bland restaurants or, or shops. So that's where we located. And our blue alley is small. So if you can just think of any kind of sake blue alleys and slice that to half and then half and then take like 5%, that's our blue alley. It's, we kind of joke that it's a New York apartment size blue alley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a type A person, so I like to organize things. So we try to utilize and then exploit every single square footage that we have. Mm. Yeah. So in a way, it's very New York, I, I think. Yeah. So what's the closest subway stop to your to your brewery? Morgan Avenue. Morgan uh, Avenue. Yes. All right. Uh, and then Jefferson on L train. On the L. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if anyone has the chance to visit Kato Sake Works in Bushwick, if you're in the New York City area, I'm sure it's a wonderful thing to do on the weekend. 
and you're going to see some cute dogs, I think, too, if you if you visit, yes. if you visit at yeah. the right time. Cute, yeah, cute dogs, murals, Lobelta's pizza, a <laughs> uh, couple more blueallies. Yeah. Personally, I like riding my bike uh, over to the brewery. It, it's a yeah. nice little workout. You, you're 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 burning off those sake calories. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. Also, we have a city bike docking station right there next to us. <laughs> All right, Shinobu. Now, we mentioned a few times it's your one-year anniversary of your brewery. Congratulations. Thank you. You've brewed a very special sake to celebrate your one-year anniversary. John and I were able to pick up a bottle, and we'd love for you to walk us through a tasting of this sake. And can you describe the bottle to our listeners? Because this is a very special packaging. We're going to have a photo of this bottle in our show notes can you describe the packaging you prepared for this bottle and tell us about what style of sake it is while John and I uh, go ahead and open this up? Sure. So actually, we brewed this uh, special sake for this podcast, but decided to name it as <laughs> an anniversary and share with everybody else. So this is for this podcast. <laughs> We're honored. <laughs> yes, yes. This is our first Shizuku sake and maybe you know your listeners are very familiar with all the sake types but shizuku sake is a different type of the pressing method so actually it's not pressing it's just dripping so the typical sake pressing method is more like a french press equivalent while this one is more like a, a paper drip type of process. So no pressure put in the mash. So you get the finest drips of the sake. And of course, that's very inefficient. So you get just a fraction of the total yield by that method. So so we did the wax seal because it looks like a drip, right? Yes. So it's kind of Shizuku thing. And because it's a chili blossom time, the springtime, we made it like a flash pink label. Yes. And all our logos are more like a confetti for the celebration. Mm. But yeah. uh, we never capped our bottles with a clown, like a beer clown for this dead yeah. thing. So it was kind of us not knowing, hey, what to do, what, 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 how, how do we do wax dip? And then it was a big mess. It was kind of fun mess, <laughs> but it was a mess. I totally get it now that you mentioned because the wax drips down the side when you do a wax yep. seal on the top of the bottle. And Shizuku, that drip method is, as you mentioned, it's a pressing method where you just get what drips out of the bag, no pressure. And it's one of the most... Uh, specialty styles of pressing that you can do. So it makes yeah. perfect sense. You would use that for a special occasion. Now, can you tell yeah. us about the rice milling rate and the, sure. the alcohol percentage and some of the other stats about this sake as well? Sure. We use the same 60% milled calories rice, which we use for most of our sake. And then alcohol is 16%. And uh, what else do I need to tell? By the way, this Shizuku style oh, was one of my aha moment sake. Oh. Yeah, back in Tokyo. By then, I only had like 
bad sake before, you know, like a college kid sake. <laughs> and then uh, at that time, my boss was a sake connoisseur at my first job. And he was like, hey, Shinobu, you only had bad sake. You have to know good sake. So he took me to a nice izakaya. And that was Shizuku sake from Kokuryu in oh. Fukui. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a limited release bottle. And then I think one glass was like $20. It was expensive. But thanks to Japanese seniority system, my boss paid all the bills. <laughs> I didn't have to order. So I got a good sake. And that sake was my kind of turning point that, oh, I like sake. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Tim, have you been able to uh, deport yours? Yes, I got my seal wax removed. I got the bottle open. So I'm going to go ahead and give this birthday sake (laughs) a good smell. Hmm. So it smells quite a bit fruity. Yeah. I -hmm. think, yeah. For me, there's also a little bit of bubblegum smell too which indicates that there might be a hint of sweetness. I don't know if you measured the SMV on this sake or not. I haven't tasted it yet, mm-hmm. but my mind is saying oh, there might be just a hint of sweetness up front just based on the smell, but it has a lovely, very gentle tropical fruit aroma. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of kind of almost like a springtime aroma. There's also for me, I don't know if you think this, John, or not, but almost like that smell you get a fresh cut grass or kind a of bit, like spring yeah. meadow smell, just a hint of something herbal too. It's not that tropical fruit that's overpowering papaya or pineapple. There's a little bit of fruitiness, a little bit of uh, springtime cut grass, and then I get just a hint of uh, something sweet and fun like bubblegum. I definitely, definitely cannot unsmell the bubble gum now that you've mentioned it. <laughs> that I've said it. <laughs> it's one of those things like you have something out of your head and you can't quite put your finger on mm. it and then somebody says something and you're like oh, that that's it and that's exactly mm. what just happened to me. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've had a sip and it's not all that sweet. It's got really good balance, but it's very soft. The acidity mm-hmm. seems quite low and gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really overall like this soft John knows I love my word pillowy, a pillowy impression. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so overall soft impression, and the finish is pretty dry and clean. Would -hmm. you agree with that, Shinobu? Yes, yes, yes. So I think this is the magic of the drip plus. It kind of only takes the good flavors and leave anything kind of harsh out. Yes. Yeah, if you if you squeeze sake too much, you can get bitter flavors. You can get sharp uh, alcohol, and it can be really unpleasant. That's why the very last pressings, when they're really squeezing sake very hard, that's not the most desirable part of the sake. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you do the no-pressure drip, this Shizuku drip or trickle sake, you really get the softest, roundest part of the sake. And I think that comes through here. The acidity seems very low, very soft and round. Yeah, I'm really uh, enjoying this as well. It is really nicely balanced. That's really good. Yeah. 
Now, Shinobu, I, yes. I know that a bottle that is made using the Shizuku or the drip method, this has to be limited supply because <laughs> you, can't make, you can't make large volumes of a sake this special. So yeah. for those listeners that maybe can't get their hands on this bottle we're trying, can you tell us a little bit about the other sakes you have in your portfolio? If this one's not available for visitors or people who see you online, what other sakes do you offer that people can try? Tell us a little bit about those. Sure. So the most popular one that we have is our regular Jumai. And uh, 60% calories, or technically it's Jumai Ginjo, but we, we just call it Jumai for the simplicity's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, smooth, clean, and uh, more like all-rounder to pair with anything from Japanese to non-Japanese. And then we do have a Nigori Sake. From the same uh, calories rice, we took the cloudy portion of the initial or class and then separate that as a nigoli. So it's a little more drier than like a typical nigoli uh, and then less thicker. So it's probably like a little bit usu nigoli mm. or more like a kind of alabashiri kind of one. So that's another popular one. And then it's because of the creaminess on, of the texture, uh, people like to pair that with like a spicy food or something like, like Thai Mexican. Uh, and then we do have unpasteurized nama, so much stronger, bolder, louder uh, flavor. Uh, and then I always tell people that this is a loud sake, so you need to have this with loud American food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Roberta's Malinaza pizza uh, with like a stinky stuff on it. Uh, <laughs> so th- those are the three regulars. And then mm-hmm. we have Kimoto that's more like a little bit wilder than our regular ones. So do a, a lacto fermentation first, and then that's a bit of the wild fermentation before we pitch the yeast, right? So there's a complex funkiness at the background a little bit. Mm. Also, we make milling based on our sake. So that's kind of fun stuff that, you know, many people knows about milling as a cooking sweetener. So we just made a drinkable milling just because like, my, my wife's mom uh, drinks mealing at the kitchen as a kind of, you know, while cooking. And then that's kind of good drinking alcohol. So I just wanted to make a real drinkable mealing. Mm. So as a sake maker, do you have any kind of like dream project, something that you want to do that you haven't gotten a chance to do yet? Uh, obviously, you've gone and one of your pilot projects was uh, was a Kimoto, which has now become something that is a part of your regular offering. You've now made a Shizuku. What haven't you tried yet? What should we expect from you in the future? So always our limitation is like a space, equipment, time, and another stuff. And I probably have a list of like 20 things that I want to try. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just a few things. And then 20 things within the boundary of the traditional sake making and then also outside of the boundary of the traditional sake making things. So as time allows, we'll continue doing that. But just to give some ideas, like a different type of yeast, right? Mm-hmm. Different type of sake yeast as well as non-sake yeast, Ooh, right? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting route to go. Okay, different type of rice, of course, but also different type of non-rice grains, Ooh. right? It's a source of the sugar. So 
you you can use Koji's enzymic power to sacrify any kind of grains, right? That's how our you know fermentation chefs are doing. So there's a possibility to do that something other than rice, although maybe that's not called sake anymore. <laughs> Technically not. <laughs> Technically not. Right. So there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And then we did Kimoto. There's a different way to start motos, as you know. So traditionally, and then also there's a lot of inspiration from other fermented beverages as well. So that's another route to explore. So you don't, mm -hmm. you don't feel constrained by the rules and regulations in Japan. Because they have very strict rules about the ingredients you can use and the raw materials you can use. So you're thinking outside that box and you might make some, uh, sounds like some pretty interesting stuff in the future. Is that right? Yes. Uh, at the same time, I still have my, you know, old textbook of sake making <laughs> from like, you know, hundreds of years ago. And then there's a lot of recipes that I wanted to try. Mm. Kimoto was mm. one that's more popular now, but there's a bunch of like, a, you know, the predecessor of the Kimoto's, for example, that with the modern techniques, I think you can try to make it. Hmm. But again, that's another time and equipment constraints. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us for our listeners who want to learn more about your sake or maybe buy your sake or visit you in Bushwick, Brooklyn, can you tell us the best ways for people to get in touch with you and come visit you? Sure. Oh, uh, maybe you can go to our website, katosakeworks.com. And then also we are quite active on social media like Instagram. So that's how we try to update people. And then if you live nearby, just stop by. We are there. Uh, although our t uh, official business hour is Wednesday to Saturday, Sunday. But since we are there making sake every day, if you see somebody's in there, just knock the door. And uh, we'd love to talk about sake or, you know, mm. you, uh, uh, we, we love to give you some samples or talk with your dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so katosakeworks.com. That's probably the best way to get in touch yeah. with you. Now, yes. John, I don't know about you, but I've been sipping on this Katosake Works Shizuku and I'm really, really enjoying this. It has a disappearing quality, I'm noticing, or it is disappearing <laughs> into my mouth. So this is very soft and easy drinking. So thank you so much for sharing this sake with us. You're very welcome. Thank you again, Shinobu. Do you have any message for our listeners who are mostly sake beginners? What would you like them to, to know about sake or about you? So thank you for having me for the podcast, John and Timothy. And uh, who, whoever who hasn't been... To our Broly, we are a small Broly in Bushwick, and, and I'd love to have you over. If you have been to us, you're part of the small community support people who made us still brewing after one year in the pandemic. So thank you so much, and I hope to see you again soon. That's fantastic. Yeah. I want to thank Shinobu Kato from Kato Sake Works for joining us today on Sake Revolution. And of course, I want to thank our listeners as well. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. If you would like to show your support for Sake Revolution, there's one way you could really help us out. Please take a couple of minutes, and if you don't mind, leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for us to get the word out about our show. And after you're done leaving your review on Apple Podcasts, please go and tell a friend. And then 
subscribe, and then ask your friend to subscribe. And this way, every week when we release a new podcast, it will show up on your device of choice without you having to do a single thing, and you will not miss a single episode. And as always, to learn more about any of the topics we talked about in today's episode or any of the sakes we tasted, please visit our website, sakerevolution.com, and you can check out the detailed show notes. And if you have sake questions that you need answered, you have sake brewers that we need to talk to. If you want to find out what kind of dogs visit Kato Sake Works, please reach out to us at feedback at sakerevolution.com. So until next time, raise a glass, gentlemen. Please remember to keep drinking sake and come high. high.